0: Hey everybody, welcome back to another great episode of the podcast with Blake Vanthoff. Uh, got to chat with him after rounding up uh, the fourth round of East 10 Drifts Pro-Am. Uh, get to find out a lot more about him and just chat some. Uh, it was definitely a blast to have him on. Uh, before we get to it though, I do want to thank Dream Tank Soap for continuing to help us out and putting out a great product there for everyone. So I definitely suggest you check him out on Instagram and Facebook and Order yourself some of their soap. It, I mean, j- just do it, okay? Just do it, please. Serious, do it now. Okay, uh, that's it. And uh, I hope you guys enjoy the podcast. Thanks. So, what brought you into the sport of drifting?
1: It was uh, actually completely by chance. Uh, in college, I was renting a garage in like an industrial area, and I was kind of working on Audis and Volkswagens with my friends in there. And, uh, a BMW M three came up for sale basically across the street. And, um, I kind of just went over and talked to this guy and he said, Oh, you know, it needs a motor. And I picked it up for like, I think it was like 1700 bucks or 1500 bucks or something.
0: Nice.
1: And, uh, I brought it back over to the garage and I was like, Oh, this is going to be great. I'm in college. I'm going to make some money off flipping this thing. <laughs> and, uh, I took, I tore it apart, got all I needed was a head gasket. So I did the head gasket and, uh, you know, I did all the bushings and started driving it around. I was like, well, I, I kind of like this thing. So I ended up keeping it and uh, I didn't really need another car, or another hobby, but
0: <laughs>
1: I ended up trying out drifting with it.
0: Now, and... was that car your current car or is was it just one of the cars along the way?
1: Yeah, so actually it's partly my current car. So the, the original, <laughs> the original black M three that I bought, I, I finished it and I was like basically ready to go drifting in it. And, uh, we were going to drive down to Tail a dragon, uh, from New Hampshire. Nice. And I was like, Oh, I'm going to bring it there. And, you know, I'm going to screw around with it there. And uh, a couple of days before that, I let my friend drive it, uh, up in, I used to live up in New Hampshire. So a lot of this stuff happened in sure. New Hampshire and uh i let my friend drive it on route 1a which is like the coastal highway and uh you know it was pretty cold out that night and it was on nt05s it started sliding and we slid right into a rock wall Oh shit. so <laughs> so he he was driving it but uh actually the passenger side so my side was uh, basically u-shaped
0: so he knew to protect himself so, at least
1: Yeah. Right. So it caused some damage to me, but overall it wasn't that bad of an accident, but it totaled the car. So I bought it back from his insurance and I bought the car that I drive now, um, as a rolling shell. Okay. So I took everything off the black car, swapped it over to the silver car and started driving that. And that was like maybe six or seven years ago now. Okay. And, uh, I've just, kind of kept drifting you know whether it's been once per year or 10 times per year just always been doing it
0: very cool uh with that car um did it start out as a no engine car or when did you end up going about ls swapping it
1: so it started out as basically a nothing car it just had some uh, two by fours holding up the suspension and some crap wheels on it oh shit and no interior engine or anything i mean it was a shell and uh i ended up swapping the s52 in it from the black m3 then drove that for like maybe three no, maybe two years before it's finally spun a bearing okay and then uh i built the bottom end and put it back in and i made like a really like a screamer of an s52 and uh i ended up selling it turbo
0: by fact with like from factory
1: no, this is like the old straight six, like okay. 3.2 liter. Gotcha. So, I mean, it might've been around 300 horsepower.
0: Yeah.
1: And, uh, I was drifting it and I'm finally, finally got to a point where I was like, you know, I think I need more power and, uh, this engine's really expensive. If I blow it up. So I started looking at the LS swaps and, uh, I found, I actually sold that engine to a professional hockey player and I think he's still racing with it. That's nice. So, and then I started buying all the LS stuff and looking at, you know, $2,500 turbo LS swaps and quickly found
0: how, how unfeasible that really is. Yeah. Uh, so, so what LS are you currently running in it? It's a mishmash.
1: So it's, uh, <laughs>
0: the motor's an LQ nine out of an Escalade. Is that the six liter?
1: Yeah, it's a six liter and it's got a uh, flat top piston. So it's higher compression. Okay. And uh, it's like LS6 manifold. I think it's the same stock heads, but uh, everything else is like out of other LSs. So yeah. it's got like an LS9 cam in it, LS2 lifters, or LS7 lifters. I mean, it's just a mishmash of every good LS part I could find.
0: Seems solid. Uh, the nice I mean, thing about that platform is that anything from the 4.8 to the 7.0 is almost interchangeable. Depend- well, heads. Yeah, are I mean, even iffy, my head... Yeah.
1: Yeah, so there's the only two di- two different types of heads: the cathedral port or the square port. Uh, square port. But um, you know, different heads will change your compression ratios too, I think, and all that. I just get the stock ones, and since it's boosted, I just turn up the boost if I need more.
0: Is it? It's turbo, not supercharged, right? Yeah, it's turbo. Sweet. Now, uh, did you run the car at all? Na, or did you go straight to turbo whenever you did the swap?
1: No, I went straight to turbo
0: because, uh,
1: I like to do things really, really cheap and I didn't (laughs) want to buy headers twice or make two exhausts or anything like that. So I didn't want to like progress to a turbo LS. I wanted to just do it and finish it and leave it there.
0: Fair enough. Uh, that that can definitely, uh, help speed up competition. (laughs) (laughs) yeah so yeah
1: that was the other thing i was like burning so many tires with because even when i put it in there the first time it was 550 horsepower and then it was almost 800 and now it's sitting at 700. so i was going to like practice days just destroying tires in a super loose car and i was like you know what i should i should i should try competing
0: so how much this did you your budget change with the engines from going from the S 52 to a turbo LS putting out five? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So with the S 52, uh, I was
1: just like running like crap takeoffs and, um, I've, I i do not think I ever put new tires on it and, uh, <laughs> I would just <laughs> go to my girlfriend works for AutoNation, So I would go to dealerships and try to get the old trade tires. Yeah. And I was running 17. So actually Volkswagen tires are mostly 17. So I was taking like the trade in tires and just burning those off. And I go through maybe six or eight of them in a day. Okay. And, uh, now with the power, you know, I've been been adding more grip and more grip and more grip. I mean, I'm getting, you know, two to four laps out of one pair of tires Uh and I'm buying brand new 200 treadwear tires.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot of difference.
1: Yeah, so they went from basically being free to basically being like, you know, $1,500 an event.
0: Now, uh, I I know you competed at LS Fest uh, this year. Have there been any other like one-off comps that you've been at this year?
1: I did uh, Import Alliance in March. Yeah, and they had a small competition there, which I won. Nice so but uh, yeah I, I i think i do well in front of a crowd it seems but <laughs> I, I, honestly i didn't do that well in these 10 so
0: <laughs> yeah it, it seemed like uh, either you or the car were way off uh at round four which sadly was the only one that i got to be at but uh yeah it was just like at, at,
1: yeah at this well so the car was kind of messing up at the end of ls fest i mean the car was like shooting fire out of the waste gates and like which it's never done and it like <laughs> It felt just terrible. I mean, it was pouring oil out the bottom. I mean, I could not do any more runs. Oh shit! And um,
0: <laughs> so and you got I just second place. The
1: Yeah, I was lucky. That was the, that was the last run I could do. And because uh, <laughs> if, if that was a one more time, I'd have to just forfeit. I'd have to park it or oh, pull man. my motor or something. And um, so I brought it back and I, I fixed. You know, I did the rear main seal and it was making a lot of noise out of the clutch, so I replaced some parts in there and. Uh, I made sure my fuel pumps were good. Cause you know, flames kind of mean it's running lean. I think cause it, the exhaust is so hot. So I checked the fuel pumps and I replaced one of those and then we took it out to East 10 yeah. and, uh, it was fine in my neighborhood. And, uh, at the beginning of East 10, it was fine, but then it started breaking up and boost and it was boosting like 25 PSI when Ooh. it was supposed to be only at like 17. Fuck. So, yeah it's a built engine so it can it can take it but i'm not supposed to be running that much and you know yeah. likely my spark plug gap was way too wide for that
0: did, uh whereabouts did you qualify for east ends uh round four at least uh i think i qualified 12th okay yeah i've never qualified high
1: um it's always near the middle of pack like 12th or 14th or somewhere around that even at uh ls fest i qualified 14th
0: damn i didn't realize that i I figured that you were one of the higher up no no i was so
1: my first battle at ls fest i was against brandon Grace, who qualified third (laughs) Shit. so you know i was i was kind of just banking on him taking me out honestly (laughs) (laughs) but uh what a shame yeah, that, uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> i mean not for me but yeah you know I, I got to see him drive that car on sunday quite a bit but yeah yeah you know. and his team was super helpful after that too i mean his team was helping me before during the day oh that's awesome and because uh, i was i went there alone like <laughs> i was just sitting there all day you know and uh his his team helped me a lot and how to set the car up and stuff like that so
0: I got they were helping me after as well yeah I love seeing the environment out at like mo- any church event I've been at, really, and like whether it's LS Fest, something smaller, something bigger. It seems like everyone's teams are willing to help out everyone else.
1: Yeah, even you know, even in the East Ten competitions. I mean, uh, even around four, I was like, oh, I, you know, I somehow for some reason the spark plug wire is just disintegrated. You know, somebody just gave me one, and like. I need a. I tried a new coil pack and somebody had one and gave it to me. So that's awesome. I mean, it's pretty, pretty good community. Yeah, for sure. Even though we're all competing against each other.
0: Yeah. Like I I really couldn't imagine in a sport like drag racing that you would see anything close to that of, Hey, no, no way. (laughs) Like typically they're not even willing to let you see under the hood where a drift car may or may not have a hood
1: yeah right yeah no everybody i mean drag racing is a lot about i mean of course there's a lot of skill involved but it's also about you know what you're doing sure. differently than everybody else
0: Yeah, it's what so, makes your vehicle that tenth of you know that thousandth of a second faster than theirs or what have you
1: yeah whereas in drifting i mean basically everybody's motor is different yeah <laughs> Yeah. You know, maybe sometimes they won't I, I know some of the pros don't like you're looking at their suspension bits taking pictures of that stuff
0: gotcha but, <laughs> I can see that. Um yeah, but it, drifting's a fun sport because you get to see the 500 horsepower V8 versus a 900 horsepower four cylinder.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of what makes, you know, I think I think that's part of what made drifting really take off in the US is not just the huge horsepower numbers but the no limitation on horsepower or engine.
0: Yeah. We're so, I mean FD has some restrictions that they've thrown into the bat, but especially for grassroots or most other like shootouts or one one shot events like LS Fest or IA or what have you. It's basically just safety restrictions more than like, oh, I see you moved the suspension point three inches, you're disqualified
1: yeah so it's not such a big deal at the lower levels but i think they're pretty strict about it in fd about you know modifying your subframes in certain ways or moving the
0: pickup once or cutting in between the subframes yep yeah that's why uh toyota has to have an all-wheel drive uh corolla (laughs) (laughs) yeah
1: yeah so the subframe already could hold a diff right yep um
0: yeah it's I do wonder what all went into the the electric Camaro on letting it be able to run. Cause I'm sure a ton of differences had to happen. But I, I guess, think
1: the mo- the electric motors in the, that, that, that car is not like Tesla swap. The electric motor is actually in the front, right? I don't, I, th-
0: maybe, I thought it was basically Tesla swap, but it may just be a Tesla battery or something.
1: Cause if it's Tesla swap, the bigger points must have changed. Yeah. Cause the motors are in the rear subframe.
0: Yeah. I, I think it's a single motor. Um, so, oh, okay. If it's a single motor, then,
1: uh, I don't think it's could be Tesla swapped.
0: Well, Tesla does have single motor uh, cars.
1: Yeah. But usually there's two motors that drive the rear wheels and yeah. one motor that drives the front wheels.
0: But I mean, there's also just the rear wheel drive Teslas that are, single motor oh okay so maybe maybe there's a way (laughs) um yeah i mean as long as it can hook up to the diff or if it takes place of the diff or however that works and i guess that could work but yeah
1: yeah i mean i guess you could use a tesla motor and just set it up like one of the electric cars of 10 years ago
0: exactly yeah um so yeah so uh for East Ten, uh was this your first pro am to compete in or have you competed before in something like this?
1: Yeah, no, this is my first pro am competition, uh, first season.
0: So have any good advice I, from uh not competing in one before to finishing up the season?
1: Yeah, first thing, don't grip up your car so much. <laughs> Everybody seemed to like grip up their car a ton and the tracks that you run on in east 10 are not like local tracks i mean they're huge banks huge swings and fast speeds and if you're all gripped up i mean i have 700 horsepower my car was too gripped up so it <laughs> just doesn't like to stay sideways and you know consistency is key so yeah it doesn't really matter if you're slow they're really not judging speed they want proximity and line
0: so it's the style game much more than uh, just go fast and do it. That, that's what I found.
1: You know, they, they might say differently, but yeah,
0: that's what I found. <laughs> uh, well, it's nice to see less of an attention on a drift missile and more for actually taking the turns right. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're
1: supposed to, I, mean, I think, you know, judging line is probably the, the number one thing. They should judge. Yeah. And um, just because, especially in qualifying, since we're doing a, like a hot lap type qualifying, if you also judge proximity during qualifying, which they were doing in the beginning of the season, maybe they are still doing it. I'm not sure. But it really depends if you get someone good to follow. For sure. in, In practice, which is completely by chance. So... But I mean, that being said, I, you know, I never qualified high, so.
0: Yeah. I do wonder for stuff like this and, uh, and often like the, um, one shots even, um, granted in the one shots, you don't see nearly as many underpowered cars or anything, but the difficulty going up, like someone like you with 700 horse, if you end up going up against a KT 300 horse 240, Uh, how difficult it is to follow a car that's not going to be nearly as quick as yours.
1: Yeah, so that's a really good point. So in the first two rounds of East 10, I was so gripped up that basically, if I slowed the car down at all to dive in on somebody, it would straighten up. So if somebody had kind of hit the brakes harder than I expected them to in a decel zone, or if they just transitioned slowly and I had to dive back in, my car would just straighten up. And that was a lot to do with how much grip I had in the front rather than how much grip I had in the rear. Okay. But, uh, that's, that's one of the things I changed drastically between a three and
0: four. The, the pro-am, um, I know what the big sponsor in your car, Night Owl Performance. Yes. Uh, do you have any other sponsors as well, or is that just the primary?
1: Yes, actually, Night Owl Performance was uh, my first sponsor and, uh their local shop here in, in Georgia. And they've been a huge help to me. Um, also, Tire Streets and Accelera, nice. they sponsored me for 2019, and I hope they sponsor me for 2020. Um, motorsport Hardware sponsored me. White Line Suspension sponsored me. Uh, I had a local friend from home. Actually, he sponsored me as well. Um. Actually, a nice cash sponsorship which came out of uh, me trying to sell them stickers, <laughs> <laughs> like uh, team, team stickers. And uh, I had one of the biggest sponsors I have um, as far as companies is uh, RJS Racing Equipment. Oh, wow. And they've provided most of my safety gear, in fact, all of my safety gear, so the harnesses, the suit, you know, all that stuff. And uh, we will work together throughout the year.
0: That's right. And uh,
1: that was might have been one of the more rewarding sponsorships because we were working together and there was very good community communication. And, um, you know, I, I really feel like I could give them something back. Very nice. So as far as advertisement
0: now, like with the sponsors you had, was there any sort of, Oh, you need to make sure to show up to a specific event or compete at X number of events or how does that work?
1: So not really. I mean, this is kind of the lowest level of professional drifting. So, the expectations from them kind of vary. So of course, like night owl performances in Georgia. So it's good if I go to like caffeine and oxygen in Georgia, or if it's good, if I do local Georgia events or teach at clinics or something like that, and to just make sure their name is being shown and stuff like that.
0: Sure.
1: Um, other companies want things like specific videos so that they can take the footage and edit it together and make like a, some advertisement or something like that gotcha yeah other people just want you to do well <laughs> with their parts on your car yeah and then other sponsors you never hear from
0: Those so are the best. Never... no i'm kidding
1: <laughs> well i mean it, it depends i mean if that's the type of relationship they want it depends on you know what kind of discount or what type of things they did for you as well and what you provide back
0: sure i, I would have and to it should just...
1: basically when you when you ask for sponsors what you are willing to do and what they want you to do should be really well spelled out
0: yeah i would hope so um because otherwise you're just going to run into a lot of drama mid-season and things aren't going to go well (laughs) i i haven't really found that but i they won't sponsor you for the next year that's for sure gotcha um I've seen night owl on a couple cars, so I, I didn't realize that was a Georgia specific shop.
1: Yeah. So it's a, it's, it's like three miles from my house, which is really nice. Oh, hell yeah. And, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a really dedicated group of people that, you know, love that shop and, and run their, their logos and, you know, it's a, it's just a pretty tight knit community around that shop.
0: Very cool. Now, I know you yep. mentioned that you have a built motor. Uh, did you build it, or did you outsource to have the engine built? Yeah, no, so I built it.
1: Okay. Um, I built it I built it twice, so I should say that, too. <laughs> um, the first, mo- when I first put the V8 in, it spun a bearing, like, the first time out. So I'm not sure, you know, what the issue was with it, but it spun a bearing. And um, then I did a built motor and did basically, like, every oiling mod I could so that it wouldn't spin a bang again. And it's going to bang again. Oh, shit. So this is with a uh, stock crank, but forged internals and a machined block and stuff like that. And, um, it almost, when I took the motor apart, it looked like I flexed the crank, mm. which, which is, is unlikely, but possible. And, uh, I, I had also bent a rod, like a forged rod, Oh, man. So I'm not sure if it, you know, it just boosted like 45 PSI or something <laughs> or, you know, what happened, but um, it could have just been the line home from the machine shop was off. So I disassembled it, brought the block back to the machine shop, got all the work done again and uh, put the same pistons and rods in, but did a forged crank. And since then it's really been strong.
0: Awesome. Um... Yeah. You know. So uh, what's your take on uh, continuing to do events like LS Fest, the one shots?
1: Yeah, I definitely am going to keep doing those. So actually I think those, as far as a business perspective are, you know, a lot better than just doing competition, but you really can't do like a pro or you can't do those events without doing pro am or something like that because you can't drive. Gotcha. I don't, I don't think there's any way to become a better driver than to start doing competitions or pro-am competitions
0: yeah getting seat time against other people that are actually getting to a competitive level or at a competitive level
1: right because i you know I'd, I'd been drifting for five years you know before i started competing and you know it was always kind of the same thing of course i was learning and i was getting seat time and i was doing you know, I I put on a show when I went to drift events after five years. Sure, but the tracks are so much different. You know, there's, there's strategy involved. The cars are you expect to come with, you know, seven, eight, nine hundred horsepower and be able to walk everybody, but that's not the case. And you really have to change your basically how you think inside the car and where you want to put the car to be able to drive like that.
0: Yeah um and granted horsepower is not everything with uh i'm trying to remember how much horsepower that one twin turbo bmw at ls fest had it was like 1400 or
1: 1350. Something.
0: 1350
1: 1350 <laughs> yeah uh, that's, you
0: know, that's it does help to keep wheels on though too yeah yeah, yeah
1: i mean that was a that was a weird failure yeah i, I like
0: but... yeah whenever i saw that happen i was just like oh why they yeah cut, the girl looked so damn good i didn't even, well at least he didn't hit the wall. i didn't even know what happened
1: until the last corner i mean <laughs> i came around and you know where titans up there against the wall i didn't see him yeah. i didn't hear him and i was like what the hell is this guy it's and, like a ninja. Uh, I, I came off track and i see yeah, i saw him in the corner and i was like oh something must have happened yeah um and usually i'd have my spot there to tell me but i didn't have anybody that was one
0: yeah i couldn't imagine going to an event like that by yourself with a car that is putting out enough power that i mean shit can happen
1: yeah well it was it was complete i should say it was completely my fault that nobody was there i I, they asked me several times if i needed them to be there for that event and i didn't i honestly didn't take it very seriously and uh, i said no you know you don't have to come i think it's going to be like import alliance and uh you know (laughs) I had watched it a couple of years ago and there was basically like two pro cars that dominated LS Fest two years ago. Okay. And, uh, I was like, oh, I'm just going to get knocked out early and that'll be it. Which is, should have basically happened last time. And, um, but you know, you got to go in confidence. So I was hoping to win, but, uh, yeah. So when I, about a week before LS Fest, I was like, Oh shit, there's a lot of, there's a lot of pro cars going. And basically everybody I know with an LS engine <laughs> is going, uh, this is going to be a lot harder and a lot bigger than I thought. Yeah, <laughs> and like, then nobody could come. So everybody was busy.
0: <laughs> yeah. It, the turnout to LS, like, cause I've only been last year and this year and the turnout there is unreal. Like
1: I, they said there was 35,000 people there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, That's I, insane. I'm so glad I got there early. Cause I got to hear about the horrific line to get in from the trail trail, from the railroad tracks to the gate.
1: Yeah, like I luckily i I stayed in that line two years ago, so I knew next I got there
0: early. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I got there at like seven thirty in the morning, so I just had I'd have to wait fifteen minutes plus like fifteen minutes after the gates start opening I could get in. Oh yeah, um, I was just like, this makes the most sense. <laughs> um, yeah. so I heard some people, oh, I forget who it was, but someone had to go on a parts run, and they were expecting it to take like three hours to get to uh. What should be a ten minute away, like Advance or AutoZone or whatever? <laughs> that's insane. Um, I'm just like, I mean, what, what do they grown. need for parts?
1: I mean, they have an LS and they're at LS Fest. You'd think everybody
0: that. selling parts is there. That's that's a very fair point.
1: Um, I mean, maybe it's suspension related or something. I don't know. Yeah.
0: I do know a couple of people that had parts failures that were able to go to a vendor there and get the part they needed so that worked out incredibly well
1: yeah i I needed spark plugs so i found someone selling spark plugs (laughs) that was like great yeah
0: if 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 only every event could be that convenient of just having the pop-up part stores at the (laughs) track yeah i mean how many of those
1: events can you throw every year though then the audience starts going down the vendors start going away That's <laughs> i mean it would be nice to have giant events you know every month
0: yeah granted they it had looked, a, I, think. I i needed to look up to see what the show the show up was like at ford fest uh um, i yeah i didn't look into
1: the attendees but i mean it looked pretty big from what i saw
0: yeah I i watched some of the youtube videos and stuff and it seemed to do better than i was expecting it would do but I still don't think there was a lot of like, I, I doubt the drift comp was like, or they didn't have a drift comp. I guess they had drift games or something. Um, oh,
1: okay. I mean, I saw, I mean, there aren't that many Ford powered drift cars besides Mustangs, uh, but yeah. I know there, there was a, there was a coyote swapped uh, three series there. And um.
0: I wonder if Rollins Kelsey was Rollins there. was
1: there. Yeah. yeah. She was there.
0: Um, yeah, I knew she went there. Those are basically uh, the only
1: four cars I saw.
0: Yeah, she was at Import Alliance there last year, and I was like, well, she's definitely within range, so she'll probably be there. Um, yeah, yeah. I think, I th- want to say Kaufman and FD is Ford swapped.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I'm not um, sure.
0: Either was or is. I can't remember. But yeah. Um, I I do like, I I love seeing like the fact that Ford fest became a thing and actually has drifting there. Like, I can't wait to see how much more keeps on popping up for the sport in the next couple of years, because it just seems to keep growing dramatically.
1: Yeah. One, one thing that they said that really kind of took me by surprise is at the end of the event, they said that, you know, the drifting is what brought all those people in. Yeah. Yeah. And they were talking. They weren't just talking in front of drifters. They were talking about the drag racers and all that. But the growth that they've seen over the past two years, they, they, it sounded like they attributed it to drifting. I would, put, and that really kind of hit me pretty hard because I, I kind of was under the assumption that these were not drifting fans. Yeah, and the, so these are autocross and drag race guys.
0: And I'd put money on it because if you look at the crowd, whenever drifting starts, like from start to finish. It's unreal because like the people walk from everything else that they're doing to come check out drifting where autocross will get its glances. Drag racing will of course have its people there there all day, but a lot of the people watching drag racing will stop just to go watch the drift stuff. Even if it's, even when it's just the practice.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, to me, drifting is really excited just to watch. So, and yeah. when I went there two years ago, there was not a lot of people watching drifting. I think the the bleachers were full on Saturday, but on Sunday, I don't think maybe they were like half full or something like that or less. Yeah, but uh, we're here. I, I mean, there was a lot of people on Saturday night this
0: time. Oh, dude, it was unreal! Uh, like all around, the, like from every vantage point around the track, there's a ton of people. Yeah um and every,
1: every picture it looks great for if you're sponsored too because you know, every picture you take there's a huge crowd of people behind you no matter where you were on the track you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> yeah your, your pictures are really great so
0: uh i'm always happy yeah. to help but uh yeah. like no. uh so this year i'd even went out to ls fest uh west and th- it was the exact like It was, I want to say the exact same thing, except for drag racing, like, didn't have anyone spectating for any of the time that I watched. Like, any of the time I walked near the stands, no one. Oh, really? And then, like, there were plenty of people drag racing throughout the day, but, like, for actual spectators, I don't know, 20 to 30 people, typically, when I would walk by there, I'm just like, this is different than Bowling Green. Uh, well, I'm surprised because I thought drag
1: racing was like what basically they started doing at LS Fest and started adding the rest of this stuff in after.
0: I would be willing to bet that's true. And then, uh, autocross had quite a few people watching it. The big thing there was, uh, the sideshows of, uh, just like a, a big ass burnout box. Oh, okay. Um, that pulled a ton and then drifting filled up the stands that they had set up there and, uh, at that event, you like it's all a uh, concrete barrier, like just a concrete barrier on top of asphalt. Um, so people stand literally okay. around the entire track. Uh, okay, because there's no like built-in hills or anything like that to kind of offset it. It's all flat. Um, so it's just like once again, I go to an LS fest. That's drifting is king. <laughs>
1: yeah i mean you see i've noticed drifting in a lot more advertisements for cars a lot more advertisements for everything really and um you know you don't really i think you know people that aren't into drifting kind of don't notice it yeah but either it's everything on my feed and youtube and tv and everything i see you know the gas stations i go to has been tailored to my generation Oh yeah. or (laughs) or uh or just me in general. In the case of the computer or the phone, but you know, I you see BMW doing drifting and basically everything. You see Grand Tour doing basic, do uh, drifting. Oh yeah, on like thirty to forty percent of their episodes.
0: Yeah, like to show off their car, you know? they're just like look at it go sideways.
1: Yeah, so you know it's definitely
0: growing very quickly. Though I think BMW is one of the brands that like doesn't want themselves associated with drifting whatsoever.
1: Yeah, they are. And I hate it because uh, <laughs> I went to, I went to CES a couple of years ago for work and they BMW had autonomously drifting BMWs on display, which is really cool and all, but they're not willing to support drifting at all. You know, they do the ads of drift, uh, BMWs drifting on, uh, the, um, the carrier, like the jet carrier yeah. boat, and like you see, drifting, they just set the record for the world's longest drift. They did, yeah, and and that water like, thing, yeah. And meanwhile, they're like, No, we hate this stuff, yeah, we don't need to.
0: If there it's is a car, BMW, if, if there's a, an award for the most hypocritical car brand, it has to be BMW, yeah, and you
1: know in europe bmws are way more popular than they are here for drifting yeah (laughs) like
0: i I, I don't think i've ever seen a commercial for a three series that didn't involve drifting
1: yeah right (laughs) and you know to to um to say that you hate it i mean it's got to be bmw car club of america or something like that because they've been doing racing events for the past you know 100 years or something
0: yeah they want their cars to so. be known to grip, even though they don't grip in their ads. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't understand it. Uh, has, so, knowing that you've had uh, two BMWs, at least, to uh, have fun with like this, uh, What is that your preferred car to continue going forward in, or has there been any other chassis or anything that you've been eyeing?
1: um so I, it's funny you mentioned that today i was trying to win an auction for e92 <laughs> so
0: you wanting a eurofighter
1: i don't know <laughs> i mean that's that would be great but uh i'll have to make my own version of a, a yeah. Blake fighter i guess but um <laughs> i can't afford to just go buy a eurofighter that's for sure
0: yeah that carbon uh, fiber are a little expensive
1: <laughs> yeah and um i mean corvettes i think are going to get really popular too so i think the 92s and corvettes are going to be kind of okay. dominating the drift scene pretty soon and i'd like to try something different like completely different but there's no aftermarket yet and to try something different and to create an aftermarket i'm pretty sure you got to be basically at the top of pro one
0: yeah that's So you either need to be a fabricator by trade or have a lot of backing.
1: Yeah. Right. And even, even if you're a fabricator by trade to not have those off the shelf parts available and you're making duplicates every time you crash.
0: Yeah, that's fair.
1: It's, I don't think it's feasible in competition.
0: Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, pretty much you need to try and set up your subframe or set up your car to be able to use parts from something else.
1: Yeah. And if you had a team of fabricators making you enough parts to break and compete on a regular basis, then you might as well start selling them. And and, and there's
0: been teams, the guys that that are already selling. Yeah. So like, I I feel like I know most of the angle kits out there for two forties or for Z's are from teams that were like, Hey, I came up with this great angle kit. And then we just started, we needed to have a couple of them for driving. And then we are like, well, we've set up our tooling to be able to make these let's make a whole bunch more and see if other people want them because it seems like a whole bunch of different shops have started selling their angle kits for those cars or those chassis yeah,
1: yeah. So basically uh fabricators that can do more than just cut knuckles yeah you know and um i did notice that this year too in fd that not everybody is just running wise fab
0: so how are the cut knuckles so. on your car i'm kidding I mean that's about all I can make, so yeah. and then probably a break too. Uh, are, are you running any sort of actual uh, angle kit, or are you just running cut knuckles?
1: No, I have a SLR kit.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, I was gonna feel so bad if that was gonna be to, <laughs> like, hey, I was just insulting all these, uh, just the grassroots style way of doing it. Oh yeah, yeah. what are you running? <laughs>
1: i've uh i've tried seven different ways of cutting these knuckles and changing it so thanks a lot
0: yeah. <laughs> I've, I've done everything i can you know speaking of the angle kit
1: thinking about it that's one of those things i changed the most during the whole season of pro-am really like uh, as far as trying to pull grip out of it i i was too stubborn to actually just go to the rear and pull grip out of it you know Less less toe or tighten up my rear suspension or run a bigger spacer so I less side bite. I was was too stubborn to do that. So one of the, the pieces of advice I got at LS Fest was, you know, every input you make to the car unsettles it. Okay, and it's true. If the car is unsettled, you can't keep your foot down. So if you numb that suspension, then you can keep your foot down longer and your inputs don't have such a drastic change and that was a really good piece of advice a guy named uh Jelani winston was helping me and the car just felt a hundred times better whereas i had been making all these changes and kind of inadvertently putting more and more grip into the front <laughs> so oh wow it was it was pretty interesting i mean the car drove I mean, it wasn't as fast, but it was a lot more consistent.
0: Yeah, you can actually drive it. Yeah, it, it's nice. I think that's been one of it, it's nice One have my bigger problems
1: it. in East Ten. Yeah, because if I if I had a lot of time to practice with the car, you know, I could run a good line and be fast and pull a lot of angle and do everything. No. But in pro am, you get about six laps. And That's if nothing breaks.
0: Yeah. It, it, so. It, it, it reminds me of one of the other people I had on here was talking about of uh, having, you know, you have all this adjustability in the car, but you end up just wanting to drive it different instead of being able to set it up differently. Like the parts actually allow and knowing, yeah. okay, this is what I need to do. It's no, the car is probably fine. I just need to change my driving style.
1: Yeah. So that's in the beginning, you don't really know what your driving style is either. You've always just driven a car that you've had. Yeah. And, uh, like for example, in the beginning of the East end season, I was running a lot of caster and I always thought, you know, caster is great and I should do everything to make my car return to center faster. Okay. But, uh, it was like over centering and made the car super snappy. I mean, I basically just did it to too much of an extreme. And then when I put our tires on the front, it was, It was very hard to handle. So getting rid of all that caster, even though on a stock BMW, it would not center itself. And with an angle kit much less (laughs) that it was fine on my cards and It's just fine. Interesting. Yeah. And I could pull more angle because of
0: that. Now, uh, with the season over, um, are you planning on trying to compete again in, uh, the program next year? Or what are your, uh, you know, I guess almost yeah, off-season plans?
1: Yeah, I'll be competing again next year. Uh, my only real off-season plan this year is to do a quick change differential.
0: Is it just um, winners that real? has the quick change, or are there other options to go with? There's other options to go with. Okay. Uh, what, but I'll probably be doing winners. <laughs> <laughs> that's That's the only one I ever hear about, and I've only ever heard amazing things like of it just changing – Their life of not having to worry about that, for one, their diff blowing up.
1: Yeah. So I, it's actually basically the only part of my car that hasn't blown up. I've been very lucky with diffs. Okay. But uh, the changing for the ratios. Yeah. Is what I think is going to be beneficial because my car has a very small power band of being in boost because I have a turbo off like a diesel semi truck. Yeah. So. If it falls out of boost, uh, you know it could straighten and it's crappy, and then in boost, it's got you know three hundred extra horsepower, so it's if you're if you don't keep the turbo lit and you don't have the right gearing, then it's really hard to drive so I found myself changing dips a lot this season.
0: Have you looked into seeing what it would be for like an anti lag setup for what you have?
1: I've looked into nitrous okay to you know make the bottom end just a little bit more powerful and spool it up a bit faster but i really don't want to add nitrous
0: to the car to solve a different issue i got you so um so pretty much I mean, it's uh either nitrous or get a better turbo or the best thing to do is would to be
1: put a smaller hot side gotcha. on whatever turbo's on there or so up i have there. a 75 millimeter yeah i have a 75 millimeter turbo Okay, with yeah. a t6 twin scroll hot side Ooh. and even though I have six liters pushing it that's a big hot side I mean really I should have like a t4 yeah yeah that, that's it's like, I think, that's a lot <laughs> yeah it's just a, I mean it's a big cheap turbo I mean it's like 600 bucks off the shelf from Borg Warner oh wow and uh you know I went through two of them so because I blew a motor and all that metal went through the first one yeah yeah
0: that's so, uh, can be not good
1: <laughs> yeah so i'm lucky i didn't have a two thousand dollar you know turbo on it
0: and just thinking about but now i really wish i had one <laughs> earlier you mentioning flat top pistons and how much boost you're running that's insane for what compression i'm running 85 okay so i'm like
1: eleven five to 1 wow and uh actually, uh it might be a little bit lower than that. It might be ten. I can't remember. It might be ten something to one. Let okay. me check. I mean, it's stock LQ nine compression. So
0: I think it's ten and a half. You can one. look it up. Yeah,
1: yeah, it might be ten and a half to one. So okay, so it's ten point one to one.
0: Okay, that makes. So more I, was, sense. I was way off. <laughs> yeah, I was. It's just... a lot
1: for. That's a still lot for a lot of gas, boost but... of that compression,
0: but that's not nearly as dangerous sounding as I thought it was. Yeah.
1: I mean, some guys, I mean, if you're running 85 or race guys, you can go pretty high and some guys will back yeah. the heads to get lower compression. Yeah. Or I mean, higher compression, sorry. Um, but you don't, you don't see a lot of LS guys doing
0: eight, five to one. No, I, I've seen some like nine and a half to one with a lot of boost, but um, yeah, whenever, <laughs> yeah. Uh, over 11 seems rough. Um, with yeah, I mean, with, that would, with, like if you're and, 18 to 20 pounds of boost, at least,
1: yeah, I mean, those are like Honda Civic numbers, yeah, but, um, where they run like 13 or 14 to one in turbo applications,
0: <laughs> but they and also have a like giant peanuts. turbo that doesn't kick in till 8,000 RPM, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that too. Um, so. oh man, but yeah, uh, so. Uh, any other bigger events that you're thinking about hitting up next year?
1: Um, so the only event I didn't get to this year that I really wanted to attend was grid life. Okay. Um, I, I hope to attend it next year.
0: Uh,
1: um, but other than that, I mean, I did basically everything that I scheduled.
0: Awesome. And,
1: uh, I'd, I'd actually like to get to more local events, but this, this season was, the most I've drifted in my entire life in one year. (laughs) So I did like at least two events per month and some of the months I was doing three.
0: I would say the cost.
1: Yeah. And you know, I I thought the season was pretty successful, even though I missed grid life. I really wish I would have driven good life, but, uh, yeah,
0: I'm
1: really happy with you know how it turned out and, you know, I don't have to buy a new motor for next year. So I'm pretty (laughs) stoked about that. For sure. So, um, And during the off season, I just plan to kind of take the motor out and take the interior out and clean it up and repaint some things and make it look nice again. Slap it back together.
0: Yeah. uh, Double check everything. Make sure nothing's gone out of place further than expected.
1: Yeah. So one thing I did with the motor, the second time I built it was I marked every bolt. So I'll be able to see if they've moved or anything's happened. That's good. Yeah. I might do, I might do more like Mark other things to see. You know, when I rebuild it,
0: this may be a random question, but do you run solid motor mounts on yours?
1: Yeah. So my motor mounts are just tubes welded to two quarter inch
0: plates. So I'm guessing uh, uh, there's a lot of vibration happening throughout the entire chassis then, you know, it's
1: really not bad. Okay. I had a, uh, my Audi S4 was also, um, solid motor mounts and trans mounts, and it vibrated like crazy but the vibration in my motor is not much. And when I first put it in after I got the uh, newest version built, um, I had them balance it to, I think two or three grams or something like okay. it was, it was more than they balanced it last time. And when we first started that thing up, it, you could have balanced a penny on it. I mean, it wasn't moving.
0: <laughs> That's unreal.
1: And, um, now it's kind of loosened up a bit, I think. Yeah. And there's more vibration, but it doesn't like shake the car or anything. Even, really even when you start it it shakes it a little but that's gnarly. really it, it's not so bad i mean you could street drive it without needing new fillings
0: so how often do you street drive it
1: <laughs> never
0: <laughs> i never street drive it actually it's a clean title car and i used to
1: have it registered but uh i don't street drive it because a i live in georgia and it's 90 degrees every day so yeah. the only place i could really drive it is to a pool dude
0: Whenever and, I uh, was driving to Grid life <laughs> this year, I saw someone driving in their autocross car in stop and go traffic. And like, yeah, it, it was a trashed it, out autocross car, though, too.
1: Yeah. I mean, it would be cool to drive it around like to local night, you know, parking lot shows. Yeah. That would be cool. But it's not fun to drive because you can't see anything out of it. The radiators in the back, so all the ducting blocks should be that way. The mirrors are just kind of there for show. <laughs> and, you know, you can't leave it anywhere because there's no windows or locks or anything. Gotcha. <laughs> so it's, I just, I just don't street drive it. I mean, that makes I leave it be, and it, it, it seems to me like it would just be trouble street driving. it.
0: So how much do your neighbors hate you? <laughs> Actually, my neighbors are pretty cool. <laughs> so
1: they all, when I was building the car, I built maybe 60% of it in the house I live in now. Okay. And, um, Everybody would, you know, they'd walk by or walk the dogs. Everybody was stopping by and like checking it out. Like oh. the guy down the street from me does data acquisition for a lot of race cars. So he's cool. There's a, a couple, there's another drifter that lives right up the street from me. And, um, most of my neighbors are cool, but you know, there's no HOA here. So, okay. So I, I don't have to deal with them, but I also don't start my car at, I, I n- almost never started after 10 PM.
0: That's that's usually a smart thing, especially if you live in anything close yeah. to that resembles an actual neighborhood. Is you usually yeah, don't start don't, it before nine a.m. and you don't start it after ten p.m. Yeah, I'm
1: really respectful about the noise I make here because uh, the the ages vary, but there are some older people around here, and you know I know they like it quiet. So sure. if it's the middle of the day on Saturday, yeah, I'll be banging away with a sledgehammer, well, <laughs> or something, or grinding. If it's, you know, if it's 6 a.m. Sunday morning or, you know, really late at night, yeah. I just can't do it here.
0: Midnight on a Wednesday, it's like, oh, I better not.
1: Yeah, And they've
0: always been cool. I mean, for a while,
1: I was working right up until 10 p.m. You know, every single night. And oh, uh, well, there is a neighbor right across the street with little kids. And although I was careful not to be too loud, I mean, I was still in there working. So every time you drop like a, a jack or... You know, a, yeah. even just a wrench or something. I live in a very quiet neighborhood, so you could hear it. You fired down the street.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, so man. I try to be respectful.
0: That's cool. Um. So with your sponsors, uh, I get you said. Uh, was it Accelero for your tires? Yep,
1: Accelero Tire Streets.
0: So with, uh, with them, do they help out at pretty much any event that you go to, or how do sponsors like that work out at the more like lower pro level?
1: Um, basically, you know, from what I can tell is if you have no competition experience and you have no, uh, proven track record of being able to make a lot of events, you know, you shouldn't be asking for free parts. Sure. So you know of course if you're sponsored it should be mutually beneficial and you know they can offer you some discount and you can offer them the media they want or the social media presence or you can go to events that they want to add or you know whatever they want from you you should supply and if you actually drum up business your first year and you make uh every event that you want to go to and you have a, you grow your social media presence and you do more than what was expected of you in the first place, then maybe next year they'll help you out even more. Yeah. That's, that's my take on
0: that. I got you. Uh, speaking on social media, do you have much of a YouTube presence or?
1: Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, I, when I started the season, I had just under a thousand followers. Now I on Instagram, yeah. Um, and that now I have just under fifteen hundred. So fifty hey, percent growth. That's not bad. But uh, you know, if, if you were an actual influencer, you'd have thousands and thousands. Sure. Um I've also found that sometimes the number of followers isn't really the people that those companies want to be reaching out to. Okay. So I found pages that have, you know, a hundred thousand followers that'll post my car and I'll get you know, maybe two people come follow me and other pages that have, you know, 4,000 or 6,000. And then I'll be like 240 new followers. <laughs> so I've, I have found that, you know, followers isn't everything. It is a big sure. metric on, you know, how much influence you possibly could have. But if, if they don't like drifting, they don't like drifting.
0: Yeah. So. Um, for sure. Um, So with doing the builds and everything, have you considered trying to get like, try and put up more of a social media, uh, face on the actual build maintenance of having the drift car?
1: Yeah. So, um, when I first started drifting, thing, Instagram was pretty new. Okay. And, uh, I started posting on there when I got my, uh, newest roller car. So my, my, the chassis I'm using now, that's when I started posting on Instagram and, uh, from what I can tell now you should be on YouTube if you want to have a social media <laughs> <laughs> presence. And, uh, I, have started making videos, which is much harder than just posting a picture. Oh yeah! And I've started making videos and, um, I am trying to grow my channel. So if you guys out there listening, want to follow me or subscribe to me on YouTube, I'd appreciate it. And, uh, up till now I've been doing kind of technical videos. So my first video was how to install uh, uh, lug studs if your car came with lug bolts okay and uh the next video was how to build your own uh cool shirt oh nice so so that video i thought you know was actually really helpful because a lot of people don't know how to do that and it was actually really easy to make and
0: pretty cheap that's sweet so is, is the your next video uh, blake vanthoff or it's blade built what was that again? Sorry. Blake builds. Okay. So B L A K E
1: B U I L D S. Awesome. And uh over this off season, I'll be filming me in the garage because now that I'm not drifting, I one thing I found was it is extremely hard to set up GoPros, get footage, get <laughs> pictures on your own when you're trying to do competition. If you're focused on basically anything except driving, it's really hard. Oh yeah, and I've been very fortunate to have my girlfriend doing all of our media management and setting up GoPros and taking photos, as well as you guys out in the field, like you, uh, providing pictures, you know, that are spectacular. I appreciate so, it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can't. Hey, you Brown can't knows will get you
0: everything without, with me, don't?
1: Worry. <laughs> yeah, I need some more pictures. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they. I mean, you you can't do it yourself if you want to provide everything that you should be promising
0: yeah Uh, and realistically any driver especially if you get to the point where you can get sponsored by anyone trying to go out there without a team seems impossible like you're asking yourself like you're asking way too much out of yourself you know Uh, yeah
1: unless you are 110 percent sure your car is not going to break and you love to change your own tires yeah you should have i mean i'd probably have a a mechanic over a spotter honestly
0: If you, if you can manage 20 different things at once for 10 hours straight, then more, you know, more power to you. Yeah.
1: I mean, I've, I've seen guys come to East 10 by themselves, Yeah, but that's just not something I'm
0: willing to do at all. Yeah. But at the same time, like them going there by themselves, it's putting more pressure on them to be, you know, especially if they make it to like the top eight and trying to make, you know, get everything on their car, right. Uh, if they're trying to have any sort of a social media presence without, you know, paying for media, uh, of actually doing, you know, GoPros or whatever type of camera set up on the car to get footage. Um, because if you're actually competing, there's a lot more to it than just driving nowadays. Um, yeah.
1: And, you know, my team is my girlfriend, the media manager, and then I have a spotter and two mechanics. Yeah. And you better make sure they're reliable. So I've been very lucky and they've been reliable and they're hardworking. And they've, you know, you, it, it would be a terrible experience if I didn't have them.
0: Yeah. And what's crazy is at like a am level, that sounds to me like a minimum, like for what you currently have.
1: Well, Am is going to be, I mean, everybody moves up, right? So Am cars yeah. now are formula, formula D cars 10 if, years ago.
0: Do you like, it's more, like, if you look at FD ten years ago, your cars would be in the top four. Like for the like for the people who are really competing, even at like East Ten, you would be making top four at an FD event ten years ago, consistently. Yeah, uh,
1: FD ten years ago was dropping an LS six and an LS seven into a you know, three fifty Z or two forty, and that's how you won.
0: Yeah. So it's just like oh, now it's. <laughs> I can make 700 horsepower at every event and not have to change my motor.
1: <laughs> yeah. And you know, the, hats off to them. They're the ones that did all this trailblazing and understanding, you know, how the car reacts and steer sure. and how to set up the suspension and how to make these things outrageously fast. Yeah. So once everybody kind of up back, piggybacks off that, I mean, everybody moves up at the same time and the same rate.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, And, like, even when certain drivers come out, it just seems to make everyone step up their game so much and you end up creating such a bigger gap between, like, even Pro 1, Pro 2. Um, For, like, when James Dean and Peter came over, uh, holy shit, did everyone else have to step up or get left behind? It's unreal.
1: Yeah, right. I mean, I think about that a lot, actually, because if you look at Mike S.'s car... yeah. I mean he won a championship like I don't know four
0: or five years ago or something. Yeah.
1: I mean, but he doesn't hold a candle to the cars that are winning now. Oh. No. He's in the, he's running the same car. And so
0: Yeah, it, it's
1: but yeah, you're right. The the gap between pro, pro two and top ten of pro one is enormous. Yeah. Um and the I wouldn't say the gap between Pro Am and Pro Two is so huge. Even the gap between Pro Am and the top ten of Pro Two. I don't think it's really that big, but uh, the gap between pro-am and grassroots is huge. Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: Actually shit. Like I know at least one driver that hasn't competed in a pro-am or, or had a major event to my knowledge and has a 700 horsepower, two hundred and forty. Uh, yeah. And, and he can I mean. drive. And I'm just like, why are you only driving at grassroots? Granted that same person has now since been on Hoonigan's. Burnout car fucking Dustin Tobit. Uh okay. That car was so goddamn mean. Um but yeah, uh it's crazy just uh seeing the cars in Pro Am that I'm just always like, How is this your hobby vehicle whenever you have so much going on with your car for people like yourself, Novak, and other ones that just have built as hell cars
1: yeah and i mean i i don't know anybody in pro now making less than like 500 horsepower so (laughs) the you kind of need it to start competing but at grassroots you see it too you see grassroots guys coming up you know they bought their first 240 the v8 swapped it almost the same day they got a Wisefab kit and a rocket rocket bunny kit and now they're out at a drift clinic yep you know i'm like oh man yeah (laughs) you know, this thing is, this is a lot of car to crash because you're gonna,
0: yeah, you know, (laughs) you have to wonder if people thought that that suspension was a one-time purchase or if they realized that they may end up having to buy it again.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that that was one thing about uh, my program this season. I wanted to have a lot more spare parts and I think my, uh, my proximity game might've been a little better if I was willing to just crash into people but uh, you got to play the long game at the same time and not break things. You don't have to replace.
0: for sure. Cause I mean, so. <laughs> there's a big difference between a tap and an actual hit where now you have a bent control arm and you hope that you can either bend it back. Right. Or do you have a spare control arm to throw on? Yeah. And when I con- and when a single control arm is 700 bucks, yeah, you know, it's not oh, like you. You're <laughs> yeah. I mean, those angle kits are expensive. Yeah. You're not wrong so um but yeah. yeah uh so is there anything else that you were wanting to chat about today
1: um you know i think we covered everything i wanted to cover okay well uh, i can
0: awesome uh well i definitely appreciate you being on here blake and uh hope to have you on again soon um yeah thank you for being on
1: uh, thank you i'm happy to be on and just let me know if you want me to come back
0: sounds good dude take it easy All right. Thanks. Bye.